What we need is some good pop culture. What's pop culture? Pop culture. Watch it. Read it. Talk about it in a podcast. Pop culture. All right, Dave. What are we talking about today? (laughs) We're talking about Lord of the Rings Forrest. Nice. Yeah, so this is the first time we've done an intro like this. Welcome to Pop Culture Cake. I'm Forrest. I think I'm your host. And hand it over to Dane. Uh, Yes, the voice you heard doing a semi-approximation of Samwise Ganji. I think that's his name. Is that his name? Oh, no. Oh, no. I said it wrong. (laughs) No, Uh, you said it right. I was just, why would you even question it? Just be confident. Okay. Like Forrest. Be confident like Forrest. I guess that's an introduction for the other voice you hear, Adam. Yeah, hey, I am going to be your overly enthusiastic nerd on Lord of the Rings. And we have I, one more person. Just fuck me, I guess. It's fine. Yeah. Well, I didn't. I thought Forrest was doing the intros, man. I don't know. Dane handed it to you. So I think the. the oh, you're right. Here. The precedent yeah. was set. I'm sorry. Oh, hey, guys. Brent is also here. Hey, it's me, Brent. Don't edit that. I want all that in there. Uh, you want, you want us, uh, me looking like an ass? Great. You're not an ass. You're an angel, first and foremost. Uh, Adam edits the podcast, so we can't tell him shit. <laughs> secondly, uh, outside of editing the podcast, Adam is a great guy. Uh, um, <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, we're here to talk about Lord of the Rings, I guess. Uh, yeah. So, Brent, you're the you're a preeminent you're you're our expert, right? So, uh, no, why don't you no. uh, intro? Why don't you do a little bit of uh, explaining what is Lord of the Rings, why it's significant to you? It's, I'm not the expert. Is this the bit? Is that the bit you're doing? I mean, did uh, the, Adam? Not, are, you like, not, are you not the, the expert? The, no, did Adam the Heath is. Cliffian <laughs> <laughs> not give it away, Brent? I think I it's don't a know. Bit. I can't tell with Forrest. <laughs> yeah, sometimes he's very serious, and other times. He sounds serious. I just have too much confidence. That's the, that's I, really yeah. No, it, spills, it just confidence. spills over. Yeah. It's, it's hard. It's to actually contain. disgusting how much confidence you're oozing out. It's a... All right, all right, all right, all right, Adam. Why don't you tell us? A <laughs> no, little no, about no, no, no. You gave it to me. I'm gonna do a minute. I'm gonna do the minute. I'm gonna do the Steve's minute of uh, this movie specifically because we are talking okay. about the Fellowship of the Ring. Only the Fellowship of the Ring. We'll talk about the others later because I haven't seen them yet. I mean, I have seen them, but not in this most. Re- anyway, uh. So it starts off with uh, a small town and there are small people there that are all drunks and and they eat food and they're cool. Then a tall wizard man with a fake nose shows up and is saying goodbye to his old friend who is another small man. And then they have a party and then they find out that there's a ring that is this evil ring that this evil dude had way before. And then they start a quest to deliver that ring to the mountain, which it was made because it's the only place that they can destroy the the ring. And uh, Sean Bean dies. Does that feel, I feel like that's a pretty... I mean, a lot happens in between that. But yeah, that kind of sums it up. I really least. like the inclusion of Sean Bean dying, personally. Yeah. I mean, because it was, it was like the last... It was also the like nearly the last point, like last... Yeah, it was moment. the last touchstone in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Where, like something significant occurred. Yeah. Which yeah, of which very little happens. of uh, Sean Bean dying. Yeah, he. Uh, oh, yeah, that was what did it. It wasn't all the other stuff. It wasn't Goldeneye or any of the other things that came up. Black this. Death or all the <laughs> okay, others. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What, Sorry, the, dude. <laughs> equal, the the equilibrium with Christian Bale. Oh there's yeah. A, Sean there's, Bean. A, there's a great YouTube clip of all of Sean Bean's deaths, and there's a lot of them. Yeah, and they're all police procedurals. We know. Yeah, it is known. Anyway, so yeah. So Adam, tell us. Uh, <laughs> 
tell us what we really need to know here, I guess. Uh, okay, first of all, the reason we're doing a podcast about a movie that is 20 years old is because, in fact, it's the 20th anniversary of this film, and it has been remade in pretty much every format that has been around since 1995. So there are VHSs, DVDs, streaming, 4K, Blu-ray, anything you can think of. And it is still widely regarded the trilogy, but not necessarily this movie, but the trilogy is still widely regarded as some of the best movies ever made. And they are near and dear to my heart because I've always loved Lord of the Rings and Fellowship of the Ring is maybe of the, of the three my second favorite because return of the king is just such a great conclusion to the series that it's hard not to love but fellowship is really strong because it has some of the most iconic scenes from the entire franchise which is mostly in the dwarven minds of moria which brent did skip over because technically they don't really matter because he forgot gandalf died but simply put the scene with gandalf and the balrog is still widely regarded as one of the best most iconic scenes in the series and the balrog which in the books is not clearly described on purpose. They brought to life in such a way that when I saw it as a small child of 11 years old, I stared up at the giant TV screen and was just like, <gasps> I was, I love it. I love this series so much. <laughs> Adam, had you read the books before watching the movie? Yes. Yes, I had. I was a precocious child. I started reading Lord of the Rings at like seven mm-hmm. and just never looked back. What about the other panelists? Because like I'd read, I'd read The Hobbit, but that's like a comparatively like much simpler book, but hadn't read any of the series before watching the movies. I, I like you, Forrest, read The Hobbit and I really enjoyed it. I couldn't put it down. But then I went to go read Lord of the Rings and I didn't like the style. There were so many poems or songs in it. I can't even remember anymore, but I like, I could not, it was like reading prose or something like that. It, I, I could not get into it. Yeah, that's almost exactly how I felt. Like I tried to I tried to pick up the series The Lord of the Rings and I just could not really get through it. I probably like read through half of the first book and then I mean, I read a bunch of other fantasy stories that came out when I was a kid, like as a young adult. I was a big fan of Dragonlance at that point as well. And so like, you know, you're going from like these relatively simple but like, you know, good approachable. Actually, yeah, approachable, yeah, approachable fantasy yeah, yeah, yeah. stories about dragons and all this. And then you're comparing it to like Lord of the Rings, which, you know, I, I appreciate as being like the, you know, modern fantasy as we know it. But uh, yeah, I couldn't get into the style. I, and I don't know if that's necessary. I don't know if that's like because of when Tolkien wrote it. If like that's just our books written like that for that time period or if that's just his style. I honestly don't know. And I and I'm going to be honest, I to this day, I have not read the books. Yeah, me neither. I mean, I feel yeah, like that's OK. Yeah. I feel like I could probably. I, I think for me, it was probably age. I suspect that I would like them now if I picked them up, but I'm not uh, sure. They, they are dense. I'll get, I'll, I will say that. Mm-hmm. Brent, did you read them? No, I haven't read any of them. Not even The Hobbit? Nope. No, oh, well, that's fair. I mean, I am also one of the nerds who loved it so much. I read the incredibly difficult and unintelligible Cimmerillion. Yeah, front. so what's the deal with that? Because I, I know I just know the name. I don't actually know anything okay. about it. N- not to interrupt or anything, but uh, uh, also, if you could maybe just... Elaborate on what you mean by unintelligible, because I don't think I've ever heard it described that way. I'm a little curious. Okay, so it's unintelligible for the average reader, because what it is, what the book is, was after Tolkien's death, his son got together all his notes and stories and back legends that he wrote to support the lore of the Lord of the Rings. His collected notes is basically what they are. They're a series of short stories and, and origin myths, and the Cimmerillion itself is a tale that takes place 
inside the Lord of the Rings universe that is a legend. And it's only one part of this very, very dense book. And it's unintelligible because there's so many names and it's difficult to understand and things move strangely, time shifts randomly. And that's because it, like I said, it's really just kind of a collection of essays. Okay. So it's the Lord of the Rings? Yeah, yeah. It's the lore of the rings. Basically, the entire Cimmerillion is all the myths and legends from the first and second age of Middle Earth. And then the Lord of the Rings story is told at the end of the third age. So that's that's what it is. It's all the first and second age myths and legends. Brent, I'm going to bring it back to you because you haven't talked that much. What's your like? No joke, whatever. Like, what do you? How do you feel about Lord of the Rings? What 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 does this movie like bring to you? I mean, I don't think it's any secret that historically I've been a big detractor of these films and the general story of the of the Lord of the Rings. I think that I've always given Tolkien props for being a master world builder and very talented in his own right. Obviously, having been one of the progenitors of modern fantasy or at least modern Western fantasy. And I just I also think that I still am holding by some of my guns and that I do think that it is kind of a silly. Were you going to say silly? No, I was going to say simple. I think it just suffers from being the first or not the first, but the mold right you know there are so many revisions and you know someone takes these concepts and they play on them and they do interesting things with them and those things become the standard and those are more interesting because they are by nature more complex like if you were to watch the original terminator and then you watch terminator 2 22 is a more interesting film but it is not the mold by which that genre or that specific trope was developed in and I also, when I watched, I watched these films when they, when I also, I also kind of lied. I have read, I have read Lord of the Rings. I've just never finished it. And I've, and it's like part, like, like spits and spurs and like never more than a third of the way through, you know? And I when would, you I say think, that, do you mean of one book or just, yeah, just the, just literally just the first book? Yeah. Okay. I've never, yeah. I've never, uh, and the Hobbit, I haven't, I haven't done anything with, but I did do a lot of like wiki reading on the lore and stuff back then. And I also watched, these movies when they came out and then I watched them again in high school with that like massive DVD collection oh, that yeah. was like every, and I watched every, these extended, extended cut and I watched every movie and every iota of special content. Why? I think, it, <laughs> I think it just burned me out over the course of a week. And I was just like, I don't, I'm just, I was just unhappy watching it again. Now for the first time, it is a fucking long ass movie. I watched the extended cut again the three hour, 29 minute or something like that cut. But I honestly did not notice the time going by. I feel like the pacing was wildly good for what wasn't the theatrical release and for what is a such a long movie. Like this movie is comparable in length, if not longer than, no, it's, it's shorter than Jackson, Zack Snyder's Justice League. But I felt every minute of the Justice League movie, even though I have positive things to say about that fucking garbage thing. It's I felt every fucking minute of that movie. And I was like, oh, we're done at the end of this one. It just totally caught me by surprise. I love the acting. I love all of the practical effects. I love the aesthetic. I think it was like so masterfully brought to life uh, that even my criticisms of it, which were like more now in this like social wokeness side of things where I was like looking at all of these New Zealand or these Polynesian New Zealander people being portrayed as this evil, inherently evil race. And I'm like, oh, you know, like that type of stuff. And well, 
all of yeah. all of the modern criticisms that can be levied against the Tolkien books, and and also my issues with the story just being like we go a series of like we go to this place, we go to this place, we go to this place, right? Like the I'm you, not. You mean an adventure? Yeah, but it's not. It doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like Frodo or Samwise are like growing. And I know that that's that that's that this is the first of a in a trilogy, and that you know this is essentially setting up you know the standards so that we know what the changes are. So that I think that's that's a little bit of a of a, a short sighted criticism, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, but even within that, do you really think that like Frodo and Sam don't? Well, maybe not so much Sam because he goes through most of his changes in the latter half of the story. But Frodo is challenged several times in the first movie with Gandalf's demise, with uh, Galadriel in Lothlorien challenging his resolve. I I disagree. I think he he definitely faced some pretty big challenges and had to he, grow as a result. I think he faces those challenges, but he doesn't grow. I mean, I, I don't know. He doesn't. He seems. I think at the very tail end of the of the movie, right? Like the, to your point, Galadriel and 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 Gandalf dying. But like Frodo as a character is a character who was faced with the challenge of taking this ring out of the uh, out of the Shire and did not hesitate. So he's already a heroic person, right? That's just it, seemingly. Uh, a trait that is shared by his particular branch of hobbitses or whatever. <laughs> and he just took to it. Whereas like in the Hobbit, granted my experience of that is the less than stellar films. His, Ouch. his uncle, whose name I'm, I'm totally forgetting now. I'm assuming it's his uncle. Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins. There yeah. Bilbo go. starts out as like a, has a more traditional arc in that he starts out as like unwilling. Right. But Frodo from the get go is like, you, the the best kind of friend you want in a in a squad. He's like, oh fuck it, we're doing it. Let's go. You know what I mean? Put that shit in my shirt pocket. I'm gonna I'm I'm heading out, brother. You know, and, and same thing with Sam. Samwise is like, let's fucking do this. You know, let's go. And that's good. Like that's a great. Like it's like, oh, that's nice to see. But then I think obviously we will see him be challenged and him become less willing to participate in the second movie. And we as we start to see at the tail end of this movie. But even at the tail end of this movie. Frodo sees Gandalf die, is scared by Galadriel, sees Sean Bean die, knows that this ring is corrupting people. And instead of it being a challenging moment where he's questioning his journey, he's like doubles down and commits. And, and these are good and interesting things. I just don't think they're that interesting to me in That's this fair. particular moment. I mean, I think the movie is beautifully shot. I think it is a great movie. I, I I came away from this way more positive than I've ever been on Lord of the Rings over the last twenty years of, of of it being around for me, and I'm excited to see the the next one. I'm I'm genuinely excited to see the Two Towers, uh, because I think I think the 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 craft of this movie is what is appealing to me more than the plot of Lord of the Rings. I think the craft of this movie is fucking amazing. Like speaking of the craft. Oh, sorry. Is there more? No, please oh, continue. One of my favorite Lord of the Rings facts is that that shot when they're in the mountains and there's the ring in the snow after Frodo drops it. Oh, yeah. That's, that's awesome. a giant ring they made. That's like, was it the size of like a tire or something like that? Yeah. It's yeah. absolutely massive. And then they like, you know, have the camera down below it. But uh, that's just one of my favorite little facts about the how they made that movie. Yeah, it's awesome. There are a lot of really interesting practical effects that they do, like how they accomplish the height differences between, you know, 
average American, or excuse me, not all American, average males height and how they made them dwarves or hobbits was it's it's all really clever and fun. It sounds like we're talking a lot about kind of the craft of movie making versus like, you know, if you have one of these big budget movies, there's sort of a whole infrastructure around it that's helping like make this movie. Not to say that there aren't like certain key people who are very important, but I feel like with the amount of money involved and the amount of like infrastructure and planning it must take to pull off a movie like this, you sort of, at least from the perspective of like making a beautiful movie and making like a well done movie, it's almost too big to fail, right? <laughs> like wow. you, you couldn't, well, I guess that's not true. There have been like spectacular failures. Uh, so let me mind. introduce you to the concept of Star Wars. Yeah, fair enough. I wanted yeah. to ask, I haven't watched the movies in a while. I know Brent just recently watched them. How, has the Balrog aged well? I think the Balrog has, yeah. Is that, I don't, was that I don't CG know, I don't know what or was the that ball, more practical? The Balrog, the Balrog, the boxer from Street Fighter <laughs> is not aged great. But the no, Balrog. I'm pretty sure Gandalf says the Balrog. I'm pretty Balrog. sure he throws like, a, yeah, he throws some. some. But I know what he didn't say was Balrog, so. Either uh, way, either it, way, right, it's a it giant demon well? monster. <laughs> It did. I mean, it a it's CG. There's not. It's not all that practical. I don't think there was a way for them to make that particular thing no. practical without doing puppetry or something. Right. But, uh, like, but it does. It does age well because they do. They do the thing that movies were required to do in the '90s, and this movie was released in in 2001. But you would know, imagine largely produced at the tail end of the '90s, so it was still following some of that edict, where they use their CGI clever like in a very clever way, right? There's not a lot of, it's not very well lit. You know, they're, they're limiting the amount of human facial expressive, like things that would trigger your uncanny Valley. Mm -hmm. So in, in much the way that the T-Rex still looks good from, from Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park yeah. yeah. There, there's a lot of tricks involved and smart use of CG. I think the, the Balrog does look, does not hold up as well as the T-Rex, but it is very, very good. They, that said, I will say that, Parts of the CGI in this movie did not age well. I would say the troll in the battle for in Balin's tomb did yeah. not. Uh, that's pretty hard to look at. That troll reminds me a lot of Harry Potter. Like, it oh yeah. Me, yeah, yeah, it's a very big Harry Potter, like early Harry Potter style. You know, that kind of aesthetic was going around the gray skin. Um, yeah, it just did. Uh, like, it's still good, but you can tell like it's from yeah, the early even, 2000s. Yeah, yeah even uh, the little rat hobbit person what's his name Gollum. Gollum. you know not really not really in frame all that much so he still looks pretty good but i'm a little concerned about how he'll hold up because i remember he at does, the time he does pretty well i remember yeah i remember at the time he was like a, this was like a feat you know what i mean the, the Gollum was like insane levels of technology yeah and i mean it did win that academy award for that or some such but anyway the point is is that you're and even in that's actually an interesting part, part of the craft in this movie they hadn't decided what the final form of Gollum was even going to look like yet so they kept him out of frame deliberately as a mysterious figure interesting. yeah and also i want to go back a little bit that ring was the size of a dinner plate not oh. the size of a tire it's so oh, big it's so pretty it's big Still pretty big, 
very clever. I mean, craft wise, this movie is fucking wild. I mean, I think what I think it's not even just like, oh, practical is better than CGI. I think it's really about <laughs> execution. You know what I mean? It's always about execution. Yeah. Well, of course. And there's just so you many. Get- there's so many you decisions. Have the best CGI budget, budget ever, and still fuck it up. Yeah, because there's so many decisions that are being made here that are uh, and, and attention to detail that helps sell you, right? Because your brain wants to be tricked in this yeah. environment. Yeah, I was. Uh, gosh, I should look up the guy's name. Uh, I'll let you know if I find it. But I was listening to something where uh, there was a person who was kind of who worked in CGI and like movie production, like maybe ten years ago, and he was saying that. You know, there there's this whole like trope of like, oh, CGI is bad, like you said. But a lot of the reason that people think that is that bad CGI is instantly recognizable, whereas good CGI you don't notice. <laughs> uh, that's true. So you would so 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 like the kind of common thought is like when you notice it and it's bad, you kind of blame CGI in general because you don't notice when it's good, um, unless it's yeah. Avatar. Yeah don't like uh, avatar but so yeah, but this, it, but the avatar you just good. don't notice it anyway because you don't notice the movie because the movie's blind yeah, you don't notice exactly. anything in that movie. yeah your brain shuts down okay yeah, but I it's like talking about craft <laughs> but it's like uh it's like i mean i think the craft and i think the avatar i think craft and avatar is lazy anyway i, I it's okay. like oh. there are small there are small <laughs> details i mean not look at not to disparage the I'm, I'm i cannot imagine thousands of hours of work that was put into it but that was not lazy I think it was the it was the decision to make it so heavily CG is lazy. But it, but but like there are small things like the Chris. I've said this before in the podcast. I am sure, but the Crystal Skull uh, movie has Oof. a scene where the female lead and maybe Shia LaBeouf and the Nazi female lead are like they're like fighting each other in a, in a in a jeep or something. And this is filmed on a back on a green screen. The and it's it's all CG. The thing that they didn't do that would sell that because the CG is very competent, right? Is that they didn't put a fan in front of the car to move their hair, you know? Like yeah, you've so you've, I remember this point. So yeah. their hair is stagnant, and so even like when you're watching Gandalf here, you know, to the point of like the force perspective work they do. You know, Gandalf is facing off with his Balrog. His hair's wet, and there's wind. There's movement, right? There's the yeah. Distortion. The Balrog breathes out, and his hair blows back. Things like that key into your brain, and you accept it more readily because of small details like that. Like the worst, the worst looking part of this film, besides the the, the ogre, is troll. that o- is the troll whatever is that octopus? I was gonna let it slide. Come on, is the <laughs> octopus or whatever the kraken? Oh, thing. the kraken, yeah. The watcher it, in the water. Yeah, and it and they also they limit the amount of time that you see that, I think, for that very reason. Yeah. Plus it helps that it's just like flailing around most of the time. <laughs> so yeah, I mean I think I think just it's amazing. It is amazing how well this movie is made. I think that there can yeah. be no diminishing of that. Well, Stor- it certainly won enough awards for it. I don't think it actually did. this one didn't win that many. It only won three, I think. Oh really? I th- yeah. You you're thinking Return to the King won a shit ton. And then, and, and mostly it, run, it won those as like a, as like a handoff for the trilogy. You know, Basically, at that point, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Gand, I guess this place like Gandalf, like his nose is fake, and you can't tell. You know, yeah. And I fucking love that. I love that it's so, it's so well, so, it's so integrated. And the Hobbit's feet is are the same way, where they're just like mostly prosthetic, but they look okay, so you don't notice. 
<laughs> is yeah, there's only one time that I ever catch myself noticing the force perspective, and that is like at the formation of the fellowship. Yeah, yeah, there's uh, that a lot is the in that shot. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's only time where they are where there's not enough there's, there's not enough activity to distract me from them clearly not being in the same line, but. I mean, I don't know, dude. I mean, I just think about the difficulty of maintaining those those height differences through so yeah. many shots, and ah, uh, it's 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 such a it is a it is a really really great movie from a technical perspective, from a technical perspective, from every perspective. The writing is good. I mean, it's good. The pacing is good. This movie's good. This movie's really <laughs> fucking good. Like, like this is, all- I'm, this, I'm kind of shocked. I didn't expect uh, this yes. level of enthusiasm. So you like you like Lord of the Rings now? Is what you're saying? Is what you're? I like me. this movie. Okay. They I get better. do not see why they could not get the eagle. I'm just kidding. Don't even. <laughs> I will throw you through the wall. No. For all yeah. of you who don't know what Brent is about to do, he is <laughs> about to make a meme out of the podcast. Uh, no, that's already a meme. Like everyone's, I've, I've heard that before. That oh man, it's a whole thing. Yeah, I remember thing. Lauren making that criticism when the movie came out. Yeah. <laughs> You knew Lauren when the movie came out? No, I realized what I said. Shut up. The first time we watched it together, she was like, I don't know. I don't understand why the Eagles couldn't have taken the ring to Mordor. I still don't uh, understand, but I think it is a lazy criticism. Would you, would you like the answer? I would. I would like the answer. The answer is simply put, Mordor was too well guarded. They were watching, and they would have been seen from many miles away. It's a pretty good answer. Okay, okay. And think yeah. about it, like the Nazgul. Because it's like it's like it's like Helm's Deep, and all of yeah. the conflict that's going on is yeah, what allows like, the eagle to slip by. Right. Yeah. Because the whole point of the final hey, we're getting ahead of ourselves. The whole point of the final battle at the Black Gate is to continuously distract Sauron from the hobbits walking up Mount Doom. That's the whole point. I mean, couldn't they just put a like an "as you know" Bob into one of the characters' mouths, like when when we needed to know why? Yeah, well, because it was I mean, kind of like have, that would have been a little hamfisted. But the 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 fact of the matter is that the eagles are kind of not well represented in this trilogy at all, or actually in the Hobbit either. The eagles are a sovereign nation of intelligent, organized, long lived bird people, <laughs> essentially, mm-hmm. and. To get to them is very difficult. They come to you, more or less, if they think it's worth doing. And that's about it. Like, good luck trying to convince them or reach them to ask for their help in the first place. Yeah, I mean, another I, another argument. Any sort of pop culture that's been around like this, though, has, I mean, there's obviously silly criticisms you can make about, like, any movie. Like, uh, True. Oh, Con why didn't first. Anakin just tell the council? Like, I don't know, because then you wouldn't have a fucking movie like at the <laughs> right. end of the day, like like these things have to unfold because otherwise if they didn't, it wouldn't be a story. It wouldn't be cohesive. You, right. You, and <laughs> and part of my part of my bias on this issue, too, is literally becoming from the books where the Council of Elrond that we see in this movie where they do the whole one does not simply walk into Mordor didn't come together overnight like that like in the book it it, like they just all kind of happened to be there at the same time and left like the next day like it was not (laughs) they didn't have time to go ask the eagles for help they the goal was speed and secrecy 
Do you have any, Adam, do you have any criticisms of the movie based off of like deviations from the book or not so much? Oh, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't like playing the adaptation versus book fight, but I will say back to Brent's point about Frodo's character arc. I think one of the hardest challenges for this entire series going from book to film is that the books are told from the perspective of pretty much three characters and three characters only. And that's Sam, Mary and Pippin. And that's it. Like, and their perspectives are you know focused on the, those three different parts of what's going on, which are like Gondor, Rohan and the ring. So you're limited, like your understanding of what's going on is very nebulous through their perspective and adapting that to the film. Frodo isn't much of a character in the book. He's kind of just there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It kind of suffers a little bit in the translation, but I will also say that they made Frodo such a whiny, whiny character in these movies that makes him so unlikable. I just, uh, Frodo in the books is very, very stoic, very calm, very like reserved. And in this, he's like staring at the ring with big bubbly golden about to cry eyes practically the entire film. Yeah, he's making Elijah Wood face the whole time. I was going to say, that's just Elijah Wood doing Elijah Wood. Yeah, but like, I think think the casting was wrong and the the scripting was wrong. I did not like how they wrote the character. I wouldn't have cast Elijah Wood. I wouldn't have done it. Yeah, it does just sound like you have a problem with Elijah Wood. No, I still think the way they. No, I still think the way they portrayed. Okay. (laughs) I think Elijah Wood's going to be okay. I I don't think we have to guard him against our criticism on a podcast. I think he's not going to like. He's not going to stumble upon this podcast. I'm not guarding Elijah Wood at all. I'm. I'm with Adam here. We should kill Elijah Wood. Oh, I don't remember saying anything to that effect. Look, I'm here fully in line. (laughs) Fully in line with what Adam literally said audibly. New to bring about the destruction of uh, Elijah Wood. And it it, uh, just uh, you know. If you're looking for Brent, he's located in Houston, Texas. Oh! <laughs> edit that out. Edit yeah. <laughs> well, that's what you one. get, man. No, you're going to edit that out, bro. Oh, I absolutely fucking will. Fucking dox me. Uh, no, I absolutely will edit it out. <laughs> but yeah, you can find me at... <laughs> and, I just, and I just throw my address. If you hear if you hear like a little, just a random a bit of negative energy there, not negative... I'm sorry, negative, not, fuck, never mind. Um, <laughs> Direct your mail to 123 Fake Street. No, 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 Houston, no, 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 that's my actual address, God damn it. You have, now we have to take that out too, Forrest. We have to, oh, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> this says the city. Uh, no, nah, I'm just kidding. I don't care. Keep all that in. Um, oh, we're gonna we're, we're just going to Iron Man 3 this? You're just going to let the bad guys know where you are? Well, yeah, because I'm going to take a quick aside here. How many the of reference. us are there in? Wait, there's, pl- there's plenty of us in, in this in the city, so it's probably fine. Yeah, I feel like there's oh, many, many thousands of people. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like we should edit in <laughs> right before you're like, wait, like, let, let me look this up. We should have a little bit of girl from Ipanema. Do 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 do. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I do not want to kill Elijah Wood. That is Brent. I don't want to kill Elijah Wood. That's fully Adam. Uh well, now I'm confused. <laughs> Teach the controversy. You guys decide. Uh, yeah, you guys decide. I will say so that I'd, Sam uh, Samwise Gamgee is really great. I really like that. Well, nobody, nobody, nobody can hate Rudy, right? I mean, that guy is a national treasure. Sean Astin. Yeah, Rudy. <laughs> I said what I said. I did see that movie once upon a time. It's pretty good. He also is in Stranger Things. He gets killed. Sad. Are we still talking about and, Elijah Wood? And talking about Sean Astin. Oh, okay. As the main did character, you watch, Mikey. did you watch? Did you watch Stranger Things for us? 
yeah, I watched Stranger Things. I thought the first season was pretty good. Second season was eh. And then the third season was like they just went fully like they didn't. The third season was like we know the second season was bad. Let's just do something with them all. Wow, um, I did not think the second season was bad. This all just leads. In, this leads all. Look how much. Look how much evidence is piling up against Dane, right now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! Oh, I did not know which way that coin would fall. <laughs> He's ninety percent right about socialism. <laughs> yeah, the so the second season is bad. It's the worst season. I haven't even I seen think... the third season, and I know the second season is the worst season. Oh, well, you should watch the third season. It's not. It's the third season's a different show. I didn't um, really like it personally. So okay. the good thing the good thing about the second season was Sean Astin, and then he yeah. died. So spoilers. Yep. This shows a spoiler heavy show. Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers, John Bean dies in Lord of the Rings. I'm sorry. Yep. Um Did you, do I you guys want to know how old Viego Mortensen and Sean Bean are? I just looked this up like a what, movie. What now? I mean, or I, I want to be very clear. His name is Vigo Mortensen. Vigo, sorry. And you what said Viego. He said Viego. Oh, like I his name is Diego. No, it's Vigo. Yeah. It's Vigo. It's Vigo. I want to say okay, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna say he's sixty two. You fucking did not guess that. I swear to God, I just guessed it. On the dot. Really? Hey, good job, man. <laughs> On the dot. Nice. So he was 42 when he filmed this. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. Again, I'm going to nerd out a little bit. Vigo Mortensen was so into the role of Aragorn that he learned to sword fight for the, all the special effects. Nice. He was also, it was also the coolest he'd ever looked. Oh, yeah, true. Uh, <laughs> he's pretty cool in Eastern Promises. I think the, notice again the silence, the, the, ra- <laughs> the, the rattling silence there. Wow, I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. The absolute deafening silence there. Oh uh, my god, Dan, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch Eastern Promises this weekend and get back to you. I'm not going to lie, I haven't seen it. I didn't it's, know what oh, it was. Oh, David David Cronenberg. Oh, yeah. It looks uh, like well, he's movie. also in GI Jane. So there you go. There you go. It's funny to think that Cronenberg is so deeply tied to the fly and other right. and like in like Videodrome. You don't think about the fact that he did a history of violence and a bunch of other movies that yeah, aren't he was the pretty fly. diverse. Oh god, he did Existence. Oh, we've fallen down a Oh my god, he did crash? not the best movie. He did crash. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, uh, guys. Uh. Have you seen this Twitter account on this day in Lord of the Rings? No, no what, what is that? No, what, what is that? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't actually know that much, but my understanding is that the that time in Lord of the Rings roughly matches with time on Earth and on this Earth. So, like, the calendars match up, blah, blah, blah. So, this person tweets at the time and day that things are happening in the story of the Lord of the Rings. And oh, it my works God. Out because it's approximately a year. Yeah, because yeah, that's I, I that's how the story is established. Thought that in Tolkien's mythos or whatever you want to call it, that Middle Earth is Earth, and that we're like just really far in the future. Is that what makes you, you think that? I'm pretty sure I've read that somewhere. Is yeah, that, I think I think what you're that's I think, not true. I think what I think what you are, I think what you are lining up with is that is that Tolkien kind of wanted to make mythology for but not i don't think he was implying that it was one-to-one but that there was like he was just making like their version of norse well, uh, okay. okay apparently it was a statement by his biographer 
Well, it's also, okay. there is some evidence to support it only at the beginning of the Hobbit, where he refers to the fact that Hobbits still exist in like the corners of England, but they're too quiet and humans are too big, loud and stupid to notice them. So I know what you mean, but the whole point of the Hobbit book is that Bilbo, who is narrating it and writing it down and in the story is an unreliable narrator and makes shit up all the time. So, so then Bilbo would suppose that there's an earth and it's the earth today. It's hard to know. <laughs> like, it's like, I don't know why he included that. So it's okay. really hard to well, understand. It's a fun line. I mean, it's a, it's a great line. How could you not include it? Well, I think he was literally just trying to appeal to children, you know, uh-huh, like uh-huh. these guys hide in the woods. You, they're still around. But then you go to Lord of the Rings and there's just zero yeah, indication. He wrote, he wrote Hobbit as like a as like a, a children's book. A children's book, right? And then he's like, yeah, I'm going to just tie it back to that when he actually wrote Lord of the Rings. Well, he wrote Lord of the Rings first. No, I, I don't. Did he? Pretty sure. Survey says. Let's see. 1954. But, that's way after The Hobbit. Hobbit was written in 1937. Narrows eyes. <laughs> well, anyway, this Twitter account is joyful. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> a fun little thing. Uh, no, never mind. I don't want to spoil he spent, anything. They spend a month at. They spend a month in Rivendell. More yeah, than. before everyone else gets there. While this story takes place over eleven months. Yeah, it's yeah in the book. It's very specifically mentioned. Yeah, this Twitter. In fact, guys, stop listening to this podcast. Go, go to this. Check out this Twitter account. Yeah, good, it's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, it's so, better. It's better than our podcast for sure. Hey, basically, whoa. that's like that's like a, a day to the elves. Wait, hold on, hold on. I just want to back up. Forest, why do you keep doing that, man? <laughs> what, 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 what? You keep undermining, undermining the podcast. Yeah, but I'm telling this to people who are listening to our podcast, right? So we've already captured them. <laughs> oh, I, oh, I see. So now we're like you know? sending them out into the world to capture more people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to oversell. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't just keep. You, you, you know, always be closing, but don't close past the sale. That's oh all my I'm god! Saying. Fine, I get uh, you. So anyway, uh, so Twitter account that follows the events of Lord of the Rings. There are actually a lot of things similar to that. They're like exercise apps that like enter your miles and see where you are on the Lord of the Rings trail and stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And there's also some, there's also like a Minecraft world that you can join that is essentially middle earth, which is really cool. And you can like transport to different areas. And as far as I can tell, they did a really good job, or at least a very impressive, impressive job. I, I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll as much as you can as do well. in Minecraft, right? Yeah. Like as much as, as much as cubes can allow. Yeah, so like any individual place, like if you zoom in, obviously it's not going to look like what it looks like in the movies or how it's described in the books. But if you zoom out, sort of the general effect is there for sure. Cool. So it's worth, you know, going and flying around, playing some hide and seek. Nice. Getting lost in the mines. So it's weird. Okay. I guess like the time, the timeline, I guess this must, this must follow the timeline of the books, right? Probably because yeah, because like Sar- I'm pretty sure Saruman dies on, in in film yeah before well, he dies in book well in 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 the book there's actually a whole nother war or like civil uh, civil unrest a civil disturbance that occurs right at the end of the book which is called the scouring of the Shire which is takes place in the Shire the four main hobbits arrive back at their home to find out 
spoilers that Sauron has tricked the local population, took over and ruined it. Like he cut down all the trees. He dug up all the flower beds. He basically ruined it because he was so petty and spiteful against the hobbits. And that's where he dies. Spoiler for an 80 year old book. Yep. (laughs) Well, of the people in this podcast, who's actually read it. You. Correct. Spoilers for you three. Ha ha! We have been spoiled. God. It's okay. okay. On God. I feel fine. Vile name. (laughs) I feel like like this has not affected my life significantly. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm kind of disappointed. I'm disappointed that you like this movie so much. Not because I feel like you shouldn't, but because I want to get, you know. You wanted to fight? (laughs) I don't even want to fight. I just want to. Like what's gonna happen when you watch the second and third movie? Are you gonna you're rediscover gonna, what you want? What you want is to profit off of my suffering. That's what I you're suppose saying. so. Right? You, <laughs> want me, you want me to go full Justice League on this movie, be unhappy, and uh, you know what? I, I, I can do that. I can do that for you right now. Well, what uh, I want you uh, to no. I mean, I do want you to feel the way that you feel. It's a good movie. Please don't. <laughs> it's a fun. You'll, you'll make me cry. Don't make me cry. It's a good movie. How does it compare uh, to, say, the animated movie? <laughs> oh my god! First of that all, the anim- be, that should be a post mortem. We should do. We should watch these three, and then and then whoever wants to watch the animated movies, we can watch those. You mean okay. uh, you mean the movies I've seen probably five or six times? Yeah, yeah. I, feel I have like I've never just seen ambiently abs- uh, like absorbed those move uh, the animated ones from. Uh, I've never, I've you never know, from, seen your, from your time with me. Yeah, from my time with you. <laughs> In my brain, the animated movies might as well be that one game where you try to rescue that woman from the dragon. Uh, what? from the dragon 80s. quest, dragon, dragon no, dra- dra- dragon tail, dragon no. quest or something. I don't know. Uh, Ducktales. Someone vamp for me while I look this Eco? up. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what he's talking about, but the animated movies are objectively Dragon's terrible. Lair. <laughs> oh, Dragon's Lair. You don't know what which Dragon's Lair? It was like is, it was like a key uh, part of the second Stranger season Things. of Stranger, Stranger Things. Things. <laughs> I do not. Oh, I must have blacked oh, yeah, out no, season yeah. two of Stranger Things. I don't remember any of it. Oh my god, I can't believe the Stranger Things. I don't even. I don't even. I like Stranger Things a lot, but I'm not like a Stranger Things stan. Right. Oh, you like, know why? Do you know why these the Dragon's Lair is the thing that that when I when you were talking about the Hobbit movie, I'm gonna no. guess it looks just like it. I'm yeah. gonna guess that Don Bluth was the was, same animation. Yeah, Don Bluth was involved in the Hobbit. I don't okay. know if it was that's animated true. by a Korean team, so I don't know about that. Mm. Hobbit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's something there. But it's a Baskin and Ross film, so. I don't know. They're the they're the guys who made like Rudolph. Rudolph the oh, Red Nosed Reindeer had so a very shiny is nose. There, is, there, is there more explanation of uh, why Sean Bean's character is the way he is in the in the? Oh, books? absolutely. Boromir is I mean, arguably Princess one Daphne of... from Dragon's Lair is fucking what, dude? So hot. <laughs> what are we talking about, dude? <laughs> Lord of the Rings. Sorry. <laughs> if you want to talk about Princess Daphne, we can talk about Princess Daphne, but Dane asked a question. No, you're 100% right. Please continue. Okay. So Boromir's character is arguably one of the best in the series. Simply put, because he is not an idealized character. He's just some guy who's trying to save his home. He's the he's relatable. He's interesting. And in the book, he's far more uh, friendly than he is in the movies. In the movies, they kind of oversell his fall like they like they have him 
practically, you know, shaking for a heroin fix. What the first time he sees the ring, that's not really fair or accurate to him in the books. In the books, he's on the trip with the fellowship specifically to bring Aragorn to Minas Tirith. In the books, Aragorn isn't like shying away from his heritage. At the Council of Elrond, he decides to become king of Gondor and go with Boromir to do so. And they're both really into it. So in the movie, you know, they kind of like make him this unlikable character, a villain of the first movie, even though, you know, there's full of villains because he represents a, a, a real present danger. And I think that's why he is cast and written the way he was. Interesting. I really like Boromir. He's one of the more interesting characters, but he does die and it's sad and is arguably the only member of the fellowship to perma die. So, <laughs> yeah. So this, I mean, really, honestly, if we're being honest, 5e is the most realistic TTRPG to, to have connective <laughs> tissue with this progenitor yeah, fantasy we, source since nobody can about, fucking die. Do we want to talk about uh, how Lord of the Rings played a part? In we did already. Other... Yeah, oh. it's hard. It's hard to talk about Dungeons and Dragons and not bring up Lord of the Rings. I mean, we could talk about it briefly, right? Yeah, well, I mean, Lord of the Rings, as has been mentioned, is a hugely influential, the first major Western fantasy entry point for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Aren't we talked about it in the hobby podcast. <laughs> yeah, we talked about it in the hobby podcast. So yeah, yeah I know. there's there's halflings in. No, oh, yeah, and the Balrog is 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 called uh is called something entirely differently. It, in, well, I mean, yeah, because there's copyright yeah, infringement. Copyright infringement, yeah. <laughs> What is a couple? I just just find it very interesting that um, you know, Lord of the Rings inspired. It's called a battle. The dragons, and now Dungeons and Dragons has like inspired, you know, Critical Role and all these other kind of yeah, Dragonlands and all. Like it's like that's why I kind of made reference to like Lord of the Rings being the Ur fantasy, you know? Yeah, no, it's Mm -hmm. it's a it's the Fountainhead, Baylor, actually. Oh, so it's not even that different. Yeah, Balrog Baylor as the CR nineteen yeah. apparently, pretty intense. Oh my goodness, that's uh pretty dangerous. Uh, not He's... powerful enough to be a guild master on Ravnica power level comparison wise. Oh God, okay. I don't understand <laughs> the words you just said. Yeah, you're you're talking. There is a source book for Ravnica. You're speaking in tongues, man. In the Magic yeah. the Gathering game. Oh, and in now the, we're in, in Magic the, back, the Gathering. They oh, have NPCs God. for all the guild leaders, and they're mm-hmm. like minimum challenge level 20 okay. yeah but no to be clear a cr20 and a cr19 between the two of them they might have an even fight right i mean it's just implying that it would take a party of four people at 19 to defeat us a, a, a Baylor as opposed to a team of four people at 20th level so i mean it's like you could be one and if we were to arbitrarily like convert one level of experience between you and somebody else, that person on any given day might still beat you in a fist fight. Yeah, you might be having a bad day, then you might be having a good day. Yeah. yeah. And it all comes down to the critical roles. Oh man. Tying it all together. How, you can talk did about it? how much how much I'm, I'm I'm avoiding critical role. We can talk about that, but it? let's talk about this instead. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the, so here's what I just found. The, so so the animators for the animated Lord of the Rings, whatever, is this company called Topcraft. Topcraft later turned into Studio Ghibli. It's, oh my god! Uh, How crazy is that? Yeah. That's when, when you say wild. turned into. What do you, do you mean? Just like 
before they hired Miyazaki? Like, what do you? What does that mean, though? Okay, uh, here's a line from Wikipedia, which is never wrong. The studio went bankrupt and dissolved <laughs> in June 15th, 1985, essentially splitting the studio in half. Miyazaki and then two other guys brought the studio, bought the studio while laying off most of his animation staff, changing its name to Studio Ghibli. So it's oh. sort of like it's sort of like Phoenix from the Ashes. It's not like they renamed the organization. It's more like um, there was. I was so know. excited though. Yeah, but it's some. It's you know some of the same people. Oh, they, it, one one of the weirdest parts about the animated Lord of the Rings is first of all they smash uh, Fellowship and Two Towers into one movie. Bad choice. Mm-hmm. And then they did this weird thing where they used live action actors and then animated over top of them. It's, it's called, terrible. It's called rotoscoping, and it's a that's why that is why I I that is why that is why Don Bluth and that and that and this is connecting my brain because that is a famous Don Bluth technique. Rotoscoping, when done correctly, is very has a very particular very a very a very specific slow down <laughs> type of aesthetic. And uh-huh. I will I will not have you dis- besmirch it, you well, fiend. It's, well, it's bad in this movie. Oh, oh that's sure. Cool. Yeah, but rotoscoping okay. is kind of cool. It can be cool. Anything yeah, can like be cool. It's just done poorly and strangely in this film. Yeah. And the that particular movie, which is technically part of the same trilogy, like The Hobbit and then The Return of the King movies were animated by the same studio, but that one was not. So it's really weird. Weird. It's it's jarring to go between the three movies. Okay. Let's, uh, let's, uh, why are you avoiding? Let's just we'll pivot completely. Why are you avoiding a Critical Role? Look, I'm just saying that there's a lot of rotoscoping in Alice in Wonderland and Cinderella. Oh my god! Like it is, it is a, it is a early animation Disney style, and a lot of it, right? I mean, it just simply could not have done it. You just didn't have the fucking resources. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, like, it's like bad CG. Like, if you notice it, it's bad. Yeah. But as far as Critical Role, I don't know, man. It's just, you know, it just is. I didn't really, I, I really didn't think you would let me talk about it. That's why I, I just I was like, it was like setting up for the bit to be like, well, no, we're not going to do that. And it, and it worked out that way. Uh, I was happy. Yeah. I already read that you didn't want to talk about it, but then it pivoted back. But, but, but now I want to know. I just think that it, sells a very specific type of role-playing experience Mm -hmm. that is difficult to replicate as a dm or as an individual player and is even even that is more so in that scenario but it's still very difficult to replicate within a party of people who are close and have played before it requires a certain amount of improvisational skills and just acting talent that is not inherent across the you know the player base of D and you and it is also very much in the style of that dungeon master. But does aren't you kind of like saying why do people watch sports if they're not going to be able to play at that level? Yeah. Like, isn't that kind of what but, you're but, saying? But, but but what I'm but here's the, what I'm saying. No, no, you're fucking wrong. And and Forrest, you're fucking wrong for agreeing. <laughs> okay. What I'm saying is that it is fine to play the game. And to experience the game, even if you will never be at a certain talent level or a certain peak level, so long as you do not come into the experience expecting that level of play and being upset or disillusioned by the experience because it is not replicating that level of play. Also, Matt Mercer and his style of dungeon mastering and his style of game is not the peak of all dungeon mastering or all D&D. I don't think there is such a thing. 
right? Everyone plays differently and everyone's preferred style of playing are equally valid. But if you have somebody who comes in and wants to have that experience and then is less interested in the in the hobby because they weren't able to replicate it or mm-hmm. can become difficult to deal with because the other players are not immediately bounding off in an accent to their to and yes ending their their cool one liner and they're like why aren't you doing the thing that I saw on TV you know what i mean yeah. i mean you're saying it, it creates unrealistic expectations correct and more well, succinct I mean- I, uh, I I agree. Yeah. It's it's not it's not fair to so, the so average. So instead of D&D comparing game. it to professional sports, it's like comparing it to porn. Wait, what? You do you think? Okay, let me just back up a little Wait, bit. Do you think what? Do you think porn represents a near peak level experience? Because I will tell you, no, I don't I'm just think porn that is all that great. Porn and have yeah, certain expectations about what sex is going to be. And oh. then they get upset when they yes, they don't I think that, that yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's a, that's a You're big, saying it's a I, more I apt comparison confused. than to sports. You brought up sports, like I didn't. No, I know, and you said it's a bad analogy. So I'm asking you, that's if fair, sports yeah. is not a good analogy, is I pornography just, I, a better? Analogy? What, 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 why do we need an analogy? Why do we need an analogy in here? Why can't we just say that? people it, understand what you're trying to. The point you're trying I to think, make. I think I think they understood it. with yeah. unrealistic expectations. <laughs> well, so. yeah. I just I look at critical roles as just like fun stories. I don't think of it as an actual. In my mind, it isn't even a really a D and D game. It's like you said. It's just a bunch of actors, yes, anding each other. Like yeah, it's a performance. But they do. I, but they do follow mechanics. They, yeah, I mean, they, they do play the do. game, right? Yeah, but but it's, it's that's just kind of a backdrop. It's not even really what. Eh, that's just how I, I, see I it. think. I think they. I mean, they're they're fucking episodes are like four hours long. They're doing the game. I think. I think another another version of what you're talking about. And this, I'll give you two examples. There's a podcast called Dungeons and Daddies. Uh, yeah, that yeah. is. It's like a Freddie Wong from Video Game High School and and Anthony Birch from What You Playing Ash or whatever that show was. You know they they're doing a they do a show and it is very fast and loose with five e as a as a as a system and it's a lot of yes anding but it's fun right because I don't think it's trying to sell you on a D and D experience so much as it is like this this silly thing and then I, the adventuring uh, the adventure zone by the Macle, the McElroy brothers mm-hmm. is a similar concept I think shit in comparison mm-hmm. like where. It is like fast and loose with the rules, but it's still playing some lip service to following the rules. You and it takes itself more seriously. So there's like a, there's and anytime anything does that, it it's opens itself up to opens us up to itself up to like cringe, essentially. Yeah, uh, the the adventures so I've listened to not all of the adventure zone, but a good amount of it. And they, they do it in seasons where they completely like they won't use the same system necessarily even. Like they've jumped around to different systems and completely different scenarios and different dungeon masters. So there's definitely who there's definitely I I don't want to levy criticism against anybody specifically, but there's definitely different levels of some of the seasons are a lot better than others, is what I'll say. I'll keep it at that. Well, I mean, isn't that true for anyway? Sure. It's yeah. That's but especially true for this because they change things up so much between seasons. Yeah. You're talking about Travis. You don't like, you think Travis is less, <laughs> is less, less skillful as a DM than the other, than the other, than Griffin. 
Is what but I saying. like Travis. I don't like Travis. <laughs> you don't like Travis. What Brent is saying is he doesn't. Yeah. Like what you what you mean by you is me. <laughs> and I, no, but but I mean, and I and I just think that there and also it's like a lot of like back to Critical Role. It, it Critical Role is just like a very specific thing that is not easily replicated. I'm not saying it's bad, right, or good or anything because it's clearly these are talented people. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I just think that it it made it helped. To, it helped in the boom of D&D. And I think it created a lot of situations where there were players entering the hobby and they were maybe either disappointed by the experience. I think, Disapp- I think there were disappointed plenty of- that all their friends aren't uh, professional actors. Yeah. I think a lot yeah. of people, I think, Does that fucking suck when that I happens? Think, I, think yeah. the ultimate, I think ultimately the majority of the people played the game and, and found it fulfilling or just didn't play. Right. But I think that there was a not insignificant portion who were disappointed that they didn't get that experience or who became like hard to handle as a player because they were seeking that experience, you know? Like, yeah. I think, no, I think your D- point is well made. Yeah, I think we D&D works best when people grow and their expectations are set together as a group and there's a lot of communication towards yeah. a compromise that can be healthily sustained across the entire uh, group or party. I, I think uh, you so, anarchist calm down. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my, fa- I mean, it's like, you know, it's also like, it's one of those things like I can, I mean, I, I can imagine there may be people who like would watch dimension 20 and, and be upset that their dungeon master was not so adept as Brennan Lee Mulligan, you know, like that, how is, is that a fair thing? That's, 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 that's my criticism is that just that it sets expectations a little high Without right. providing it, context for like the need to, you could definitely get something just as good as that for yourself, but you just have to do it slowly and grow, you know, and take a lot of time to talk outside of the game. Yeah, I think that it would be better for people who had already been playing than people who hadn't. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, I take your point. I just feel like that's not really their problem, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I yeah. never said. But I never said Matt Mercer needed to take needed to take responsibility for that. I just said that's the yeah. reason why I don't yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. You better answer for this, buddy. Yeah, yeah. That's it's just I. I don't believe that at all. You know, I just because because yeah, yeah. really this was just the first their first campaign was just a continuation of their camp. That's another thing too, right? Like the first campaign is probably hard to get into in the initial fucking ten episodes because it starts out in a pretty in the middle of a fucking quest. But a lot of that dynamic had already been developed by these people because this was their actual fucking game that they'd been playing right, for yeah. years. So I'm, I'm not saying that it's Critical Role's problem by any means. Mm-hmm. This is just why I don't like Critical Role. I don't think they have any responsibility to the people that watch their show. I don't think that's true for nearly every provider of media or, or you know, there is a res- there is a certain social responsibility to like intentional, harmful, malicious damage that you're causing. I yeah. comedians can't just say whatever the fuck they want without, without at least having some ownership on what they are saying. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it is like the responsibility of like a music creator or a comedian to be like, let me provide you all the tools so that you can enjoy the thing that I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. no, I get uh, that. by no means. That's no interesting. Means. I mean, it's it's fair. Yeah. Uh, I guess what are we running on a steam? Yeah, a little bit. The, I, I can we, talk about. So this is this is quite a bit of a pivot, but I wanted to talk about a book recommendation that I had just briefly. It's this book. It, it was kind of like blown up a couple of years ago, but it's been a couple of years since I've read it, and I think it came out a couple of years ago. Anyway, enough preamble. It's called Black Leopard, Red Wolf. And it's essentially a fantasy novel, but using instead of using like Europe and especially and especially like 
England as the foundation. It uses Africa and African like lore from different um, African nations. It's not. There's been a bunch of comparisons with Lord of the Rings, and the author has come out. The author is uh, Marlon James. The author has come out and said that that's not like it's not a that's not a useful way to think of it. And I kind of agree, except that whoever said it was probably trying to sell this book. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I'm bringing it up. It's a good book, but I wouldn't make that comparison. But that is the reason I thought of it. It's sort of a fantasy told from the perspective of this guy whose name is Tracker, or kind of his position as Tracker. He's referred to as Tracker. And he has all of these like different fantastic stories and like timelines. So it's it's more, it's jumping around. There isn't like one epic arc. It's sort of like, here's, here's he's talking to his captor. And he's trying to convince his captor to let him go. And in doing so, ends up telling these tales Oh, about his those... travels it's interesting it's definitely one of these like unreliable like you realize that he's talking out of his ass at certain points and it's kind of fun in that way so it's more like a thousand and one nights with the king yeah i guess so yeah so yeah so recommendation again the name of the book is black leopard red wolf and it's by marlon james and i think it came out a couple of years ago cool Anyone else got any recommendations? What is something they've been watching that they really like? Yeah, yeah. sorry to throw this at you. Like, we don't have to do recommendations unless y'all have some. Uh, yeah, Loki. Know. Loki was good. I didn't see the conclusion yet, so please don't I, tell I, me I, anything. No spoilers, just I thought it was good. I haven't even been like watching much or playing much. I've just been working and house stuff. And My sister's wow. also visiting, so I guess I've also been socializing. This weekend, I'll finish up Loki and Maybe do some reading finally. Who knows? Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe you, Loki you is good next. Uh, you... you sound a little, sound a little, little worn out by guy. capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine. Oh, fine. <laughs> okay. It doesn't sound like it. We could talk about it. Maybe not on Maybe not. We'll just yeah, on we'll air. talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, thank you for listening to this episode of Pop Culture Cake. If you want to reach us, you can check out our email at popculturecake at gmail.com. Bye. 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 Bye.